When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. now since the end of the Women's World Cup and Spain are the champions and those despite the fact that they haven't been in the limelight but they kind of achieved something great because it was the first international trophy for Spain in the women's category and that's been very very great because given the talent that Spain has at the moment they should be one of the best national teams in the world but there are other things which kind of took the limelight and joining me to talk about not just Spanish women's work, but to maybe focus more on analytics. Tom, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm doing good. How are you? Well, I've been better, you know, because uh, not been easy. At the day of recording, the female team had a very good result. The male team, not so much. And you have all other things in life, but luckily I'm healthy and good. So, Tom, it's your first time on the Papport. So, thanks for accepting the invite. Thank you for inviting me. Um, we, you know, we did speak a little bit. It was last year, or maybe even earlier in the year. Last year, I forget. We were going to try and do something regarding the uh, the Afcon Women's Tournament, but I think it just got a bit too hectic with all the stuff that was going on. Yeah, yeah, I can recall that well. At least God has given us another opportunity, and here we are to talk about women's football. Alitia at the center of everything. 
Yes. Yeah. Probably more about the women's because I think the men's needs a bit of time to remember that they are good footballers. Yeah, I think I think um, you know the Papot basically was created to cover everything and it's not just the men's football, but just also not just but also the women's side because Aleti Feminino are a very good team despite the recent struggles and we are going to touch on all of that. So I think um, over the years I've not been really frequent with it because most of the time I just do an introduction, like a preview for the season and then I do a review of the season. But this time around I'm trying to be more consistent, at least one podcast for the women every month. Hopefully I have a lot of time to do that because I kind of do two for the men and it's like I give them a lot of coverage and not the women. But I try to do a lot on the pitch, you know, try to give the women a lot of coverage because I think women's football, especially after the World Cup in France, is not the same women's football we know because there's been a lot of changes in it. And I think at the moment it's at a very, very high level. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the fastest growing sport in the world. Um, I mean, in the UK especially, it's like the biggest growing sport. You You can't move for young girls and, and women just starting playing football. People playing football at all different um, points of their life now. It used to be always, you know, like young men or young boys going and playing football. And now it's it's every everyone throughout their ages um, that are female pl- wanting to play football, which is great. Yeah, that's fantastic, you know, because I think those who watch the Women's World Cup kind of enjoyed it because I really enjoyed it because... I watched the one in 2017, which was the main reason why I started following women's football more, especially the Aleti Feminino. And watching the Women's World Cup was kind of fantastic because you have quality teams like that of Japan, a team which is multifaceted, can play in so many styles, be it counter, sitting deep and counter attacking in mid block, can have possession, can dominate games in so many different ways with and without the ball. And then you have the spin who dominate the ball and try to create the white triangles to progress the ball and the rest. So I kind of really enjoyed it because it was a World Cup for not just, I think it was like the, another landmark in which, like you said, the fastest growing sports in the UK and probably in the world, which is great because of the, about the evolution, everything has gone on. And hopefully we see more because I think more needs to change, especially in the mindset that many people have about the sport. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. There's still a lot of uh, a lot of people who don't quite want to get on board yet. But they've done lots more um, research into who is watching. And for a long time, I always thought it would be great to get more men's fans involved. But actually, it's more women who just weren't interested in sports are now interested in sports because of, say, England winning the Euros or getting to the World Cup final. And I imagine it's similar in other countries too. Um, Australia's had record you know, viewings for their women's team, um, especially in the semi-final and things like that. So it is, it is getting there and it is, it is more people are just turning onto the sport rather than coming over from the men's side, which is really important. Yeah, exactly. Because during the women's World Cup, I was kind of shocked because in my home, I'm watching the game and my kid sister, who is not a great fan of football, she also comes and she's interested. And then you have the neighbors. I'm like, what are you guys watching? They are like, oh, did you watch the Nigerian game, or did you watch the Zambia game? They were kind of behind Africa, giving them an African. And I think like what always happens is when an African team is playing, especially at the world stage, you have Afri- all Africans are supporting them. I'm like, I'm like, wow. And they are like really, really into it. And to be honest, not just a single person, but you kind of have the ladies kind of grouping up. And that's why the fact that some of the men, like you said, are not interested, but 
people who are actually interested in movies like the Nigerian movies like Nollywood because that's something that is very popular in Africa here but you have them maybe sacrificing some of their TV series to watch the game I'm like wow that's really great they're like yeah it's feminism it's feminism and I'm like wow that's actually very great given that a lot of people like you mentioned who are not interested in the game and actually there because I actually have um, like my neighbor now she just bought a Nigerian kid and the name on the name behind the kid is not in natural it's not cement it's actually plum tree I'm, I'm like wow that's great that's cool yeah and she's just gone to saudi arabia which is a whole nother another thing to talk about on a very different podcast probably <laughs> for sure <laughs> well if you have the Saudis and your money well who knows so um so i'm talking about the world cup uh, just maybe a quick glance we all know spain won the world cup and there are a lot of things which happen after that which are not great like um the kiss of death and thankfully and hopefully rubiales has resigned which is something which is great because even before the world cup i have been saying that the day he leaves spanish football and when i mean he i don't just mean him the person but also his legacy the people the structure the organization which is something the current players are fighting for by rejecting the call up to the national team will be a day that spanish football is going to see the light because i believe he helped spanish football back especially the women's league for a lot of time we can i think we can recall the year in which some of the players had to sign petition to the federation to talk about it making the league being professional and then you have the delays and the rest so that's been a great call but talking about uh, the sporting things before we get to the kiss of death and everything what do you find it what were some of the things you found interesting in the world cup oh i think it was just some of the players like i mean like you know it's uh it's our enemy's player but linda caicedo was just leading up to that england Colombia match i was just worried about her i was just absolutely worried about her because she that goal she scored against germany which i think got the goal of the tournament was my was my favorite goal of the tournament and i was really worried about what they were going to try and do and i it was you know it didn't quite happen for her in that in the in the match against england but you know she really announced herself when i think a lot of people who maybe hadn't seen her or had maybe watched Real Madrid when she came in. I think she came in January last year, uh, this year, sorry. Yeah. Last season. And I think yeah, she yeah. didn't, she didn't quite, people didn't quite know about her. Obviously the, the people like the, the journalists that are on Twitter, re, you know, knew about her and they were excited for her, but a lot of people just didn't, didn't know what to expect. You know, this um, Colombian coming pretty much straight into the starting lineup for, for, a you know, a top tier league fa team so she was a, she was you know really good and a lot of the a lot of the players for the spanish national team were really good obviously i was trying to support the ones that were playing for atleti but also <laughs> playing against england it was a bit difficult but i am you know they deserve to win that match yeah for sure spain really played that team because they actually played really really good i think after the the embarrassing defeat against japan in the last game of the group stages they kind of get the act together and then we saw a better Koyoshi team who could handle counter-attacks better because they were actually torn apart by Japan in the group stage. So, Tom, the next question is, um, who was your best team? Because I've given the amount of praise you had for Linda Kaisedo, which I think nobody will know Aliti Flan will blame for that, given how brilliant she was and the goal she scored against Germany, like you said, was just phenomenal. It was top class. The way she created the space for herself, get away from the defender and the curler, oh God. That was brilliant. Well, Salish plays for Real. Well, so um, who is your 
team of the tournament who is your i know they give the official awards but who is your like your own personal favorite team of the tournament and also young player and player of the tournament oh i think i think lauren james was probably one of my favorite players for the tournament um a shame that she didn't get to play the entire tournament but what she was doing on the ball like she's she's like a basketball player playing football she's just about two steps ahead and she's doing stuff and She's like trying to shoot three pointers or she's trying to set lay. You know, she the way she plays is so, so interesting to watch. And when everyone's on the same page with her, it's really fascinating. And it's really interesting um, to see what happens on the pitch, because that's the sort of thing that's going to make England a real problem against other teams in the coming tournaments. So Lauren James is one of my favorite players. Um, but equally, Aitana Bomati is you could just watch her play all day, you know? Yeah, for sure. She's, I will not say my favorite player, but she's one of the players I really enjoy watching because Aitana is just like she's ahead of the curve. The way she makes every movement, the way she plays, the way she handles the ball, the way she reads the game, her every action is like it has been pre-calculated and is being executed at the highest level. And then you have her coming and saying she kind of watch clips of high-top midfielders not like Iniesta, Xavier, and try to see what they do when they don't have the ball and when they have the ball. She's just exceptional. And it was also great seeing how maybe her coming out of um, Putelas' shadow, giving Putelas' injury, luckily, luckily she's back, and kind of leading that Barca, the Barca feminine team to the Champions League. She has just, she just had an incredible year for club and country. Yeah, and I think, so I think like Spain were probably one of the teams of the tournament in that respect is that, yeah, the way they turned it around after Japan, which it felt kind of odd. It didn't feel like that was Jorge Villa's team that came out after that. It felt like the Japan match was definitely a, a Jorge Villa performance. So I was like, oh, is someone else maybe pulling the strings here? Has, has someone like stepped in and said, right, this is what you need to do? Because it did feel a bit like they were a different team afterwards. And whether they were just, you know, smart enough to say, right, we need to do this. Fair enough because they did it and they you know you can see and in the back of my mind since before the tournament started with the uh the protests from the the 15 that didn't want to go i was like i bet they win purely just to like for him to be like rubbing it in everyone's faces like ha 15 of my players said no and i've still won the world cup yeah it was just 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 so fantastic and um getting back to um your praise on James and like you say, she's just like a bass. She was actually phenomenal in the game against China, I think. Watching her, she was just great. I don't know how Chelsea and Imahis are going to handle her, but she's actually a player, a lovable player to watch. I just pray she have more minutes and maybe they incorporate her in the rivalry because I believe she has a very high ceiling and uh, she's the bet she's the better one of the James. I think she's better than her brother. I will say that for sure. <laughs> yeah it's yeah that that the, the pair of them obviously come from a very interesting footballing household but it's yeah she's just so good like yeah like and Ch you know to go and watch Chelsea like they played Roma in a preseason friendly two weeks ago and she scored another great goal in that in that they won 3-2 very like very close match but like she scored another really good goal in that game she had the space in front of her and she just lashed it and it dipped just under the crossbar. But yeah, it was really good. So yeah, she's someone to watch. Um and yeah, like again, all of the Barcelona players that were at the World Cup in different in different guises, like um 
who else was there? Uh, Fridolina Rolfo. I really enjoy watching her play. She's she, she is really good when she when she's fit and going and hungry. Um, it was a shame that like, I, and again, it's like this is from a pure fan perspective. Like Caroline Graham Hansen is probably one of the best footballers in the world, and when she's on her like game, you can it's incredible. Um, and it, so it's it's a bit of a shame to see Norway not reach their full potential with the players they have. Um, and like you know, we've just got like Villa Boarisa into Atleti and and I haven't really seen enough of her because she didn't get like all the minutes for Norway but she also didn't get a lot of minutes for Manchester United um and in the two years that she was there I didn't really get to see a lot of a lot of those matches I always try and watch as much of the women's football as I can if it's on TV um especially in the UK but it's like yeah it, I did, just didn't get to see what she's about so I'm hoping she can do something um for club and country moving forwards yeah, um, like you just mentioned, um, Caroline Graham Hansen. Like James, I think one of the best players in women's football, and she's a top top player. I can still recall the goal she scored against Emaezi's Chelsea in the semi-finals at the Bridge, and it was just just so fantastic. So a lot of good players there. I hope um, many can maybe get into a game, watch how good the women's football is at the moment, and there are a lot of good players. So Tom, the next question is. Which was your favorite game at the Women's World Cup? Because I think there were a lot of great games, a lot of fantastic games at that World Cup. Oh, so I think the Australia game, the England-Australia game, was one of my favorites. But also watching Japan beat Spain like 5-0 or whatever it was, 4-0, was it was really entertaining. Like Japan, like the goals they scored and the, the way they scored them was absolutely wild. So that was probably one of my favorite games. And and the Colombia Germany game because that was Germany just thought they were going to like scrape through and you know go into the group stages, uh, the knockout stages, and they didn't for games like that. So I think Colombia Germany and Spain Japan were my two uh, outside <laughs> outside favourites. But then England getting to the final the way they did against Australia was was really great as a as a pure just emotional fan for the country that got through. Okay, well, for me, I really enjoyed uh, South Africa, Italy, because that game was really a bit of a roller coaster. You have Italy yeah, scoring; no, they know sure. they know they are going through, and then you have South Africa crawling their way out of the pit, and then at the last step, you have Galana putting them in the first knockouts, putting them, making them go through for the first time in their history to the knockout stages. And that Germany versus Colombia that was just top class was really, really, really good. And I think um, the final also at well was a very good game because I think Spain dominated for a while and then oh, they dominated throughout the game, but there were spells in which they kind of struggled against um, England's counter-attack or England's press at time. And it was kind of good seeing tactically how both teams adjust towards to each other's changes and to kind of have the upper hand. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Tom, if I'm guessing you're best young player of the tournament was definitely Linda Caicedo. She was the one who made the most the most of it like she was probably one of the ones who I was excited to see that I didn't know so much about. I just hadn't really seen seen her for Real Madrid um because I didn't really I haven't seen any matches really. So she was someone who really really impressed me. Well um um if you have been listening to the pop you know about Yash and Yash was basically here for last time we talked about women's football and he kind of writes a lot on women's football. And he has been of a lot of praise for 
Linda Caicedo, which was not surprising how good she performed. It's just that I was kind of, let me say, I, it's like, you know how good she is, but seeing what she does, you're like, wow, this is just amazing. Because the goal against Germany, I can recall my neighbors, uh, sorry, my, my neighbor, which I said, but, but uh, the plum tree gave Jesse, her mom was like, that girl, that girl is good. So when I told her, she was like, for real? At the world stage and you are doing something like that, she was just just so out of this world. It was just amazing seeing her do that at the world stage. Yeah, and I think that's like, so, you know, like Caroline Weir went to Real Madrid last year and I knew what she could do. And I was really excited to see her, you know, get get lots of good um, goals and minutes and assists for for the team last year. Obviously, as a Atleti fan, I wasn't happy that she was doing that. But for a, just you know, I've got I'm like part Scottish, so like seeing her do those, do all that stuff was really great. Um, and for that reason, I sort of my my like the brief view I had on Real Madrid wasn't really focused on anyone else. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Um, Linda Caicedo aside, um, the other player who kind of really impressed me because I knew nothing about her before the World Cup, but after watching her play for Haiti was um, Melchi, I think, Dumoni. She was really, really good. Yeah. I think for a country like Haiti, she offered a lot. Her dribbles, the way she was able to facilitate the attacks, progression, she was just amazing. And she has, and I also discovered that she signed for long, long, which I was like, wow, you have one of the best female teams of all the female teams or teams in female football and they are signing. Because I think her ceiling is really, really scary. Because physically, she is really, really great. And then technically, she's just amazing. If she just sorts some things out, like maybe decision making, I believe she goes straight to the top because it was just fantastic watching her play. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, and yeah, she signed for Leon before the World Cup because they knew, they really knew that 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 was going to happen and i think she was in she was really they just won like a the like local french cup i think like the not the charity shield but like the whatever the version of that is against i think it was against paris Saint-Germain. and she like i think she was great in that for all intensive you know for what i've heard yeah that was great so overall i think it was a successful world cup which um new zealand and australia kind of was because it's not disappointing the crowd was really, really good. And I, I was I really enjoyed when the crowd was with the underdog because it was really, really great. And they did not disappoint. The atmosphere, a lot of positive vibe are in and around the stadiums. And from the games, I think the officiating too was something I enjoyed. And the way they used VAR there was really, really amazing. What was your opinion on that? I felt it was a pretty fair World Cup in, for technology. And like, yeah, I mean, you'd always get some refs that maybe aren't, used to officiating at a really high level um that you know at that level obviously but i think it was good overall i think it was everything was sort of used correctly and the var was pretty quick um yeah so i think it was you know it was good enough and obviously the uh, the goal line technology helped sweden against the usa so yeah i think uh i think i think it was pretty successful all in all yeah, it was a successful World Cup and just like the Euro a year before, it was also very, very successful and same for the AFCON. I believe uh, there's a lot, like we said at the beginning, it's fast growing and a lot of fans are getting into it. And I just pray the positive vibe in and around women's football stays because 
one of the not comparing to the men's game but one of the negative about the men's game is a lot of the negative negativity which most of the fans bring and i hope that that doesn't get into the women's football because at the moment the fan culture or more from what i've seen most of the time is really really great i think as like the alitis win last season at the end of last season against real madrid i believe um they were you had like a healthy rivalry and maybe fans just touch talking and nothing more to the level of what we see on social media when it concerns the men's team yeah like that is one of the reasons i i really can't support a lot of it anymore is sadly it's the the fans that get involved with the racism homophobia um anti-semitism especially in the uk certain teams um and it's yeah like sexism as well so it's it's just a part of the women's game that isn't there thankfully um and the fans are getting better they're not I'd say that the sort of the the chants and the songs for a lot of the players and the clubs aren't maybe as big as the ones for the you know the men's teams, but it's it's you know it's they've had a head start. The men's teams have had a head start in doing that. So, well, um, hopefully, um, a lot of positivity, like I mentioned. So, the Spain squad that won um, the World Cup, you had um, two elite players there, which was kind of great, and. Um, Tomorrow to also what's your opinion on the kiss of death because it have, I think that's what has been the center of attention, which in my opinion should not be the case. The people are supposed to be at the center of attention should be the players who want the walk up because they achieve everything. But so what there are a lot of things have unfolded surrounding the kiss of death. You have a change in the national team. You don't have view that is no more less has resigned, which those are actually actually very good changes. But I think the players are still demanding more of structural change from that. So what's your opinion on everything surrounding some of the changes who are ongoing in the Spanish Federation at the moment resulting from the kiss of death? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the some of the things that have happened have been good. Obviously, Rubiales and Jorge Villa are, are gone. Um, both, both were sadly allowed to resign rather than be fired because of their actions. So that's, you know, that means that the Federation is... Um, not doing its job quite as good as a lot of people would like because they were afforded that luxury. Um, but the new manager for the women's national team is was Jorge Vilda's assistant. So a lot of the players, as, as you said, are still not prepared to come back because it's it's not just two people that were deciding all of these things. It was the whole structure and the the, the hierarchy around it that put everything into place and allowed all of the things to happen over years and years and years. I mean, the previous manager, whose name escapes me right now, was in the job for 25 years or something like that. Um, and it was only players like, you know, Vero Boquet. Oh, I'm saying that wrong. But she never, she spoke out in 2015 and they got this guy fired or was allowed to resign, I can't remember. Only for the same thing to happen eight years later, because Jorge Vilda was in the job for eight years. So it's, you know, there is so many structural issues still that haven't been addressed. And that's what the, uh, I think it's 80 or so players, are, aside a few, have, have decided they, well, have decided, have said that they aren't going to come back until that is different. So there isn't a, a squad selection for, I think it's Sweden and someone else that they're supposed to be playing next weekend. And the national team manager had to cancel the press conference that was due to be at four o'clock on Friday. But she was at the Atletico game 
because she was they're trying to do like a th- a third list of players. So it'll be interesting to see who who is a uh, who is going to come along and say they are happy to be included because it's not for me it's this isn't a way to get recognized by your national team manager because you know 25 other players have said they won't turn up that's not a that doesn't mean you're doing better than them that just means that the opportunity is coming at, in a handicapped kind of way well i think it's actually kind of sad because uh, we kind of hope uh, all these players can get in harmony and we can get the right structural changes which is needed at the Spanish Federation because, like you said, change moving on from a guy who has been there for 25 years and he was being sacked for something and then you have another guy which is basically behaving not really good towards the premier player, not giving him privacy rights, which is actually sad. And then eight years later, we have had numerous reports concerning Vilda doing something same and then you have the guy the head backing him up and now it's a time for a change and I will bleed and it will be fantastic to see all of these players being in harmony because if they can do that and we have the structural changes which are needed, I think that would be fantastic because going forward, you kind of have what um, Aitana has been saying and also Putelas has been saying. Their job is just to play football, but given how things are at the moment, they have to fight for the future generation. They don't want the future generation to go through the same thing they are going now because it's like you're your profession as a footballer to play football. But now you can't play football because you have a lot of things which are not being done right. A lot of things which are not even going right. Like, for example, the start of the season in for Liga F, what happens? You have the players calling strike because the proposition, the, the league made and for salaries and everything, they could not find an agreement. And that comes to be a normalism in Spain. I think it was also similar for the men's side where you have Rebales and Tebas not agreeing on dates for when the league will start and the rest. So having those structural changes will kind of be good for the present and the future because Liga F, we all know, as we watch it, has a lot of potential given the amount of talent which is there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and obviously, as you just said, like they delayed by a week because of the players who still aren't getting the minimum general salary uh, in Spain. That I think it's like 25 or 26,000 euros a year. The the players across the league, probably in the lower teams, um, without such big financial backing from the men's club sides, um, you know they're not they're not even still not earning as much as they as friends who maybe just have a job in a I don't know in a shop or whatever is earning on a full salary like you know they aren't earning that and that you know when you look at the the disparity between the men's and the women's in salaries, it's so huge, you know? So a lot of them have to sign on these weird endorsement deals or make sure that they've got a a good amount coming from boot sponsors because, you know, they aren't earning the money that they need to survive to touch so much as, like you said, like there's so much uh, activism that they still have to do. They have to talk about growing the game. They have to talk about why it's different and why they aren't earning as much money and all of these things, they're constantly having to talk about everything but football. Exactly. Like, for example, like I may have been mentioning, Spain won the World Cup, but what happened? That's not even a major headline. The major headline is something else. So hopefully the players can get behind. They can all come in accord like they did, I think, a couple of years back to make the league kind of professional because I think it's 
not been long that Liga F just the naming came into place, the TV deal came into place because prior to that, you have a lot of times where they have had agreements and there's no TV deal, there's nothing which everything is going in. It's like in Helter Scatter, just like it scatter something. So hopefully they can come again together for this to actually come in place, like you mentioned, for the salary cases and the rest, because this is they are actually playing at one of the highest. Let me know. Let me say the highest leagues, or best, one of the best leagues. Sorry, but not the most financially financially strong league in the world. So I think the federation can do more to strengthen it. And I was kind of happy when I saw Liga F introducing an application earlier this season, which is great. And I will I will put the link at the when we will be talking about the podcast so that you can actually download it if you are interested because it kind of keeps you up to date with the league and highlights and the rest. So that was kind of one of the steps taking closer into making the league kind of whole. Um, Tom, so um, coming to Aleti, I think um, there's no better place to start, to start talking about Aleti than talking about um, the cup victory against Real Madrid because I know the league has started an Aleti beat Aleti club Bilbao by three goals to zero, but we'll talk about that. But first, what's your view on Manolo Cano coming in halfway through the season and then ending the season on a high by winning a trophy against a rival like Real Madrid? It was great. It was from a, uh, you know we we'd won a cup trophy against Barcelona a few years ago, um, and it was great to win that that trophy. But again, like, and it sounds like a a downer, a sad thing that we probably Real Madrid or us were in that final because Barcelona were ex, were expelled from the competition, which you know I'm not going to sit there and talk about that because. But it is a factor, you know, like Jay-Z wasn't registered properly or no, it was she'd got a she'd picked up a booking again for Madrid CFF and wasn't was, you know, fielded um, illegally. So, you know, they they got disqualified from the competition. So, yeah, we won that competition and I'm not going to take anything away from that because we we beat, you know, we came back in the last like couple of minutes of the match. Was it Benini scored that incredible goal and we won on penalties? Like, you know, we won that game against our, against a club rival, you know, so that is really sweet. But yeah, as we we sort of spoke before we started recording, that the real rivalry has always felt Atletico versus Barcelona, not the new El Clasico, because it's, you know, Real Madrid's only been a team for four seasons or three seasons or something like that. And they were, you know, they just bought their way in, which is very Real Madrid. Exactly. Very real magic. Very Florentino Perez. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not really a good lover of real magic and I can't say positive things. A lot of positive things against them. Sorry. I can't say a lot of positive things for them. And it was actually good winning the final like we did because I think they were they were two goals up and I was like, Oof, it's like these guys are gonna win this. And then you have Estafa Banini's free kick. Oh, that's a legendary goal. I think, in my opinion, as if Ali as an Alisi fan, that free kick from Banini is right up there with the goal. I think um, Miranda scored at the Benabao because it gave a lot of joy. I can recall <laughs> shout, shout. You just have a pool of emotions. I know Alisi has won trophies like um, that one league. They won the league a couple of times, but winning that was actually great. And like you just really mentioned. The real game, you know, the real, the biggest game in Spanish football is Atleti versus Barca. But like you said, Real Madrid have kind of bought their way in and 
they have the financial back and they are spending a, a lot which is maybe good for the league given that the league kind of have an audience but buying the win was not really good because i think at the time you had a little, a little bit of resistance towards that buying if i'm not mistaken but Aliti vs Barca was the biggest game because I think um, you had the, that those years where Aliti are urging Barca to win the league. I think those three leagues in a row, Aliti won and it was kind of fantastic because the competition, the rivalry for the compete for the title was good, but Aliti kind of fell off and a lot of things happened and which we are going to talk about that. But like I said, that win was actually, actually great. And despite it coming at the fact that Barcelona kind of made it, Barcelona made an, a mistake which kind of cost them, but kind of gave a final which was kind of nice for my latest perfect and it was also great seeing the latest faithful getting a reward for being under the rain still singing despite the fact that the team was too near down and then going to penalties and winning was just so fantastic i think that game was actually good and it kind of made me fall i would say more in love with Aliti. so um talking about this season and we are going to talk about um the problems Aliti have been having over the over the years because we are going from a team who won the league three times in a row to a team who has not even qualified for the Champions League in the last three seasons. So it's kind of shocking. I'm sure it's like what has happened here. So uh, Tom, can you just give us uh, what has been the, the main issue or to those who don't follow Aliti, Feminino that closely and maybe are interested if, after listening to this podcast, what has been the issue for Aliti Feminino recently? Well, I mean, anyone listening to the podcast will be very familiar with the men's team and, you know, and Diego Simeone, who's been in charge for, is it 12 years now for the men's side, I think, maybe even nearly 13. Um, and yet we've had five managers, more or less five managers in five seasons at Atleti Femenino. And you can see the it's such a results-based industry, the women's game. Like, there's such a short turnaround and it's, People need the immediate response. So you lose a game, you buy a player. It's almost that quick um, in some respects for a lot of the teams that can afford to do so. And Atleti did really well until Barcelona really dug their heels and they said, right, we need to stop losing the leagues. And, you know, and they haven't stopped. They haven't looked back. They've won four league titles in a row. They've won a load of cups. They've won the Champions League twice. Whereas every time Atleti got near the Champions League, Wolfsburg would knock us out. And, you know, and that was the issue. I think I saw, I went to one of the Wolfsburg matches, I think. I think it was like, I think we got beaten like 5-0 at home, maybe more. And it was, you could just see how far away we were, despite winning the league the year before or beating Barcelona. And and it's, yeah, it was just such a, it's such a competition that you want to do so well in. But the league wasn't quite up to the standards for us to be able to play these other European teams. And, you know, and that came with a lot of players after the World Cup in 2019. A lot of players left. A lot of players came in. We tried to get a lot more international players in. And it just, we just didn't get a, a really, a, a settled squad for probably until Manolo Cano came in last season. And the players we had were actually really good, but... Um, Oscar, what his name was, Lopez, uh, Oscar Fernandez. Yeah, couldn't. Oscar Fernandez. Could, yeah, he couldn't quite get them to gel. The season that he had with them, he pretty much did a different starting lineup for almost every match. So, Manolo Cano coming in and settling it a little bit is why he was rewarded with another con- with a contract to the end of this year, this season. Um, so yeah, it was just so many managers, so many players, 
and it just didn't it just didn't feel very settled and especially in in the fluid nature of women's football where players will maybe only have one or two seasons at a club before they move on it's something that we needed to build on it's something that we needed to really build a team and a and a core team and a core of players sorry but it just didn't happen and it, we just kept looking to to what we could do about results in the immediacy and we fired managers and we then brought managers back you know so it was a it's been a a tumultuous few years but there have been highlights like like we said about the two sort of cup wins against Barcelona and Real Madrid respectively in the last sort of was it two or three seasons we've won two different cups so yeah you know it's not the league form we would like you know not getting to the Champions League but it does feel like the corner is slowly turning to have a settled squad and just get some results back on back on the board and get into the Champions League again or at least attempt to qualify for the Champions League once we get into second or third spot yeah for sure for sure um it's true that we have won some trophies recently but like you said in the league uh, despite the fact that the league has kind of improved but as compared to let's say our rivals in the Champions League uh, we were not at the level and trying to match that by bringing a lot of internationals kind of when sideways and i think i can recall a lot of criticism coming from the media about the fact that a lot of outsiders were brought in and then you have the nexus in a lot of let me say players who from the league were brought in and then it just kind of went helter skelter it's like a little transfer strategy kind of went through the window and then you have a couple of seasons after we are losing players like esther to real kenti robles to real and we even lose lost jenny so it was kind of hurtful seeing so many of those players leave because those were the players who were actually the core of the team when we won the league. We had the won the league three times in a row, and it was great because if they were the core of the team, they had been in the team for so long, which was kind of fantastic. And um, I can also recall we kind of achieved our first, I think, Champions League uh, quarterfinals for the first ever time. I think it was against Chelsea, and that game we I think that they were unlucky because we deserve to beat Chelsea, but well, it is what it is in the past. And um, like Thomas already said, we have struggled because we have not had stability. Firstly, five managers, it's like five managers in the last five years, that's like a manager a season. And secondly, we have not had a stable squad or a core. It's true that they have been players like Ajibadi, you have Ludmilla, you have Lola, she went and came back. Same for, I think, Menayo, who had a loan spell in the Scottish League. But we have not had a core that means you cannot see the team as that yes these players have been here for so and so years which in which somebody can build something and manolo kano came in kind of maybe made the team gel together and we sadly we could not achieve the goal of qualifying for the champions league yet again another failure because that's that was the objective at the start of the season and then you have uh, a little ending the season on the high by winning the, the trophy which i talked about which is um, that was a, um, sorry the Copa de la Arena against Real Madrid, which was just fantastic. But then again, the team are far from where they used to be. But in order to achieve that, we need to have consistency. And like he, um, like Tom mentioned, rightly mentioned, Simeon has that, and we have him in the case of let's use the case of Molina, which we talked about just before the podcast about the fact that Simeon had to like drill him in his. Means how he wants things to be done, and now we have Molina becoming the best right back in the league. And reality, that's not there because you had this in and going. And also, another issue is with the short term contracts players signing one or two years contracts, 
which is not healthy because you have these other clubs who are like financially healthy and players on short-term contracts they can lure them away like for example look at my tan she was in my opinion our best player last season what happens she had her contract was up and she did not renew and she was off to she was off to america so it's not been good and it's not been the best so tom um given all the struggles um alicia has had we have mentioned um, what are some of the things you think um we can like kind of iron going straight going forward well i think we've got a good squad um so having players like ludmilla back in it'll be interesting to see how she plays because she's been out for a little while now with the acl injury she has started training she's not back in the the match day squad yet but she is such an explosive player and i think for a lot of the time a lot of teams didn't quite know whether they should worry about her or not worry about her but then that also happened with the managers we had they were like well we could just play her up top and have people pass balls through the back line and find her or we try and do something else so that we're not just doing the same thing all the time which i understand but it it just meant that she was kind of not really being utilized to one of her like real strong suits which is which is going behind the defense picking up the ball and and scoring so it'll be interesting to see how she comes back into the squad with the players that we have like um Sheila Guijaro Garcia scored two goals yesterday she looked good for those you know a header and a tap pin um so I'm excited to see more from her um Gabby Garcia in the middle I like a I like a tall midfielder if she she's like one meter 80 or something like this so having someone next to Lacey Santos who is about one meter 50 is always going to be good because you know you need someone who can win those aerial battles and we have got some really good players like in defense and on the on the wings like Banini and even Navarro. Like these players are going to be really have a you know if if we can keep them fit and keep them playing well, they're going to have a great season. Um, it you know the only issue one of the main issues which I guess is for women's football across Europe is how quickly some of these leagues are coming back in after the World Cup. A lot of them haven't had time to relax and you know, just come back from their federations to, to, you know, before they've had to start playing matches again. So it'll be interesting to see how these new players, who should gel a bit better, I think instead of doing, like, getting, like, 10 players in, we're only, we've only got maybe four or five. So there is a little bit more of a... Um, there should be easier, lead to in, easier to integrate them into the teams. Like, you know, uh, Anna Chernogosevich, I can... Yeah. Terrible saying that name. She's really good, but she can play in lots of different positions. So I think they brought her on yesterday, and she went up top into the the nine, or even on the um, like one of the attacking three. So she'll be interesting to see where she plays for the team. Um, and she's experienced in the league, so that's good. Same as the everyone else. I think we brought in aside Bildabarisa is experienced in the league, so they have an idea of what they're getting into, which again is really important. I mean, you see that across lots of leagues that the players they bring in, they just, they don't, maybe, maybe there's a, some differences league to league and club to club that means that when they start, it just isn't quite, that they take a bit of time to settle in. Um, like we said about the, the Simeone thing earlier, about working with the players. And I think that's, sometimes you do need that. But if you've really played in that league, there should be, it should be a bit of a quicker integration. So I'm excited to see what we can do. 
Um, I really like Lacey Santos. The goal she scored against England in the World Cup was really good. And I was happy, but I was sad again because, you know, I conceded a goal. But she's she's always been great. Her and Maitan last season and the season before, and, you know, they were really good together. And I really liked the dynamics of someone winning the ball and having play into her for her to then move on up the pitch. So, you know, if I, I want to see Lazy Santos have a good season again because she is she is a really important for the player for the club. Um, and I want to see players like Carmen Manao just have a consistent season again because she was great. She scored some great goals when I remember seeing her in like 2018, 2019. She was scoring goals from the edge of the box, like lashing them in with her left foot. And I, and I was, you know, like... It almost like sometimes players don't have any um, reason to do that. And there she was and just hit it and it just yep. goes and you're like, wow, okay, she is a good player. And it's the little bits of injuries that a lot of them have had. Just always, there's always that setback. So I am excited to see what a lot of these players can do this year and how consistent the squad stays. Because with having a, a big squad and a lot of good players, the rotation can really affect the mood, the performances. So I want to see how 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 it works with what the, the players that we have this season yeah you just talked about um Menayo and how she used to score a lot of goals and she did that playing as a left back where she could attack more and you just talked and you remind me of um olga kamona in the world cup where she had a lot of those strikes on the edge of the box looking for a goal and she finally had it the final which was great and Hopefully, like you said, um, we can see a more steady and balanced squad because we have a good squad at the moment. And one of the players in preseason which kind of caught the eye was Gabi because, like you said, um, she kind of is like a tool midfielder, a ball winner, somebody who can allow Lacey to kind of have an impact for that up the pitch, like not dropping deep. And it was quite interesting because Oscar Fernandez last season in preseason, he did something fantastic against Bayern where Aleti faced difficulties in like... Um, progressing the ball and also creating chances, but he kind of used in the build-up, maybe my turn higher up, and then you had Banini and Lacey dropping deep, and they were causing loss, all sorts of problems for Bayern. But when the season started, I don't know where that plan went into. Well, but hopefully, like you said, we want to see Lacey have a consistency because she's just fantastic. When she's on the ball, she makes things happen for Aleti, and Banini is another, which those two can get in contact or a lot of things then that's great because in preseason it seems like Manolo has been using like a four a four three three with you have a ball winner and then you have um Lacey and Banan and Banini playing as like two eights and if those triangles when they click in preseason it was actually very very good to watch and that is something I'll be looking forward to this season because if those two can actually be on the same wavelength and we are sure they will be able to maybe create chances for the attackers we have because you have Eva Navarro who, are, who came from the World Cup and it's also great. You also have uh, Mata Cardona doing great. And now if you have the likes of Ludmila Rashidu are players who can run behind and if those two can actually link up and actually play those balls in behind for Ludmila and um, Rashid, I can recall when we, I can recall there was a time in the league where I think when we play against the bigger teams and they are afraid of the pace of those two behind and spamming long balls to them was kind of the game plan like you mentioned and at times it was actually good because i think those two are their best when that is happening and uh you mentioned for the center backs i think uh, the center back it's an area where i think uh we don't have a lot of depth there but i believe um 
Menayo has did a great job last season there, and she had a, she playing the season, and she did a fantastic job in preseason. And having Lola in goal is kind of great because I can recall there was a time when Lola kind of struggled with the fans, and where fans were like, yeah, she was we lost this because of her, but it's kind of seeing her being the captain and the leader. We also have Van Dongen, who is a leader on and off the pitch, and we can all recall the footage which was shared on social media when she spoke to her teammates during the Copa de la Reina final against Real Madrid. So I think we have a good mm. squad and we have made a signings. We are used to the league because you have Gabi, you have Sheila, Gujaro, which came from Villarreal. And she, like you mentioned, scored a brace on her debut, which is just so, so, so fantastic. And I think the fullbacks uh, are a position where I think we are covered because we are very good fullbacks, fullbacks who are good on the ball, fullbacks who can drive with the ball forward, which is just fantastic. And we signed those two fullbacks from the league, and which shows that our signings in recent season has been great, but the issue now is keeping those players because we just lost Irene to United, and it's true, yes, we have uh, viewed the, the Borisa who just came in, and she's kind of new to the league, but I've asked about her from Yash, who is a very, when it comes to Uso, he's very fantastic in there, and he has a lot of praise for her. He says she's like, basically, a um, the player who kind of find the pass where people can't do that and she's more of a you have a first and second phase player rather than the final third player and we are going to say that she made her debut in the 3-0 win over Athletic Club. So um, uh, we have talked about um, the players and the managers and how they are incoming and outgoing. Um, we all know at the start of each season Athletic Femininos uh, aim is to qualify for um, the UEFA Women's Champions League. So what do you what, seeing given the squad and it's true, yes, it's just one game. Given the squad and Alexia at the moment, what's your opinion? Do you think that is attainable given Levante are out of Levante have just been knocked out of the women's championship that's a qualifying rounds and that means they will fully focus on the league. So they are obviously a contender. Do you think uh Alexia actually will achieve that goal this season? Excuse me. I think they will. I think there's enough there to be able to do it. Um, it just, it, again, it depends what happens on everyone around you. Like, you know, we're top of the league because we scored three goals yesterday compared to Real Madrid and Barcelona only scoring two goals in each of their games, respectively. So we're top of the league. Or nearly, I don't know if results have changed today, but because we have one goal extra. No, we are still top. <laughs> we are still top. So, you know, that's fine. Like, first <laughs> first game in, we're top of the league. And that's going to be the that's the important thing. I think, like we spoke earlier, like we have to win against the teams that we lost or dropped points against last year. Our tough games should only be Real Madrid and Barcelona. They should be the only tough games we have. So we have four tough games this season. That should be it. We should be looking to get points off everyone else because Barcelona aren't going to drop points. Real Madrid probably won't drop points. So we have to be taking every chance we can get. And I think we can get Champions League this year. I feel like Levante, I don't know the full ins and outs because um, it's really contentious. But like their manager, who used to be Atleti's manager, um, just brought in his partner to the playing staff. So for those who don't know, like Jose Sanchez Vera is in a relationship with Angela Souza. And she left to go to Real Betis. I, someone else I speak to on Twitter about this said that it was a bit of an issue while at Letty because they got together whilst they were both in Atleti. And now she's just gone to Levante. 
So that's like, that's not a good look. So I think there might be a little bit of disharmony in the squad. I don't know. I don't know enough. I haven't seen enough journalism or, you know, comments about it yet, but I only noticed that she was there yesterday. And I was like, oh, okay. So teams like Levante that should be doing more might struggle for things like that, you know, because that is a big decision to do, um, to bring a, a, a player that is in a relationship with the manager into the squad, despite how good she is or how good she was anyway. Um, that is a big thing to do in a, in a club that was trying to get Champions League football and was in the champ, you know, was in the Champions League qualifying. So I think Atleti has a very good chance if teams like that fall apart and, and stutter in their earlier part of the season, we just have to drive forwards and win every game and try and concede less and less. Like, and as you said, I always felt Lola was a bit susceptible to, to letting really simple goals in when she didn't need to. Like if, a go- you know, if it's a good hit, it's a good hit. You can't do a lot about it. But she was really, she would make some mistakes or easy goals would go in. And and that really affected Atleti as well, I think, when the defence and the, and the goalkeeper weren't really working as well as they could be. But I think she's, as you said, I think she's come back into a lot of confidence and working on those mistakes. And I think, yeah, we've been a lot stronger in the, last, the latter part of last season and the start of this season. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. We're going to be Champions League qualifiers next year, for sure. Well, that's a lot of optimism. Well, I'm still not sure. It's true after one game. I am very happy, especially given that we beat the club, like we beat Athletic Club at home. It's true that they have been down here in recent seasons, but they are a tough opponent. So, not actually easy. And scoring three past them, it's not so easy. But let's see how things go, because... Uh, like in recent seasons, it's like yeah, we have dropped points against the teams against the teams we should be winning, and I think scoring goals was also an issue because Aliti, I think um when starts bomb post um starts about um the women's football, you kind of have XG, you have Barcelona in the league of their own, and then the next is Aliti, and you are like we have created so many good scoring chances, but what is happening? You come to actual goal scored, we are not even the second and. We are not actually taking our chances. And defensively, last season, we were actually kind of fumbling because it's like you have a team who creates a lot of good chances and a team who also gives chances. So I find this not balance is something I think Malono Kano has spoken about uh, over the summer, actually in the preseason games. And you have the game against Milan, like I told you just before. Uh, we started recording because I do, on the purpose, we do a lot of translation for the coaches press conference, especially for the women team, because we are trying to give them, and we are trying to give them exposure, especially to the Atleti fans. And you have him talking about the fact that he was very happy, happy with the performance. We won against Milan 1-0 in a preseason friendly cup, and he was like, he was actually very happy with the performance because Milan were actually very stubborn, but we were able to contain them. When I mean contain them, we were able to snipe, excuse me, kill their counter-attacks before it began. We pressed, counter-press aggressively, and then we were also patient and we waited for the moment and we scored a fantastic team goal. And the goal was just so, so brilliant from um, Lacey. And that kind of gave me vibes that yes, because a lot of teams who will be playing in the league will actually be defending in a compact and 
compact block and they will try to hit us on the counter and we can be able to snipe like kill the counter and then continue creating those chances and with Shayla who scored a brace I believe uh, we, a lot of goals can come because we have holes in Lumila who is actually recovering I hope she will be fit and then if Ajibadi can actually start scoring because I believe she is a very good player when it comes to a lot of things creating chances for herself and others but when it comes to finishing I think she's a little bit once in that area so if those things can come into play then I think um I, I think um, at least to attain their goal for this season, which is to qualify for the Champions League, and who knows, maybe we'll win another cup also because you also have the Copa del Arena and also the Super Cup, which will not be easy given that Barcelona is among. And like you said, Atleti has some tough games this season, and I'm counting. You have Barca, you have Real, and then I think the game against Levante and also some away games like trips to Atleti to Bibao to fix Atleti club or to San Sebastian to face Real Sociedad and then I think you have Madrid FF who are not an easy opponent so those are some of the games I think I need to struggle especially when they're playing away so um, Tom, um, Tom um, I'm sure you have watched some Atleti preseason games so it's like it's difficult to put down or pinpoint how Atleti uh, are going to play each season because it's always unsure what will happen like we mentioned five coaches in Five years is quite a lot. So, can you maybe give us um, what do you think uh, Aliti and the approach Aliti will use this season? Well, I think you know, I guess it's still early days for having the new players, and you know, we only played I think what three or four preseason matches, and we won a couple. We lost one against Milan, but we won also against Milan, and we beat Liverpool. So I think we just have to sort of, <laughs> you know, as long as we can progress the balls out wide. Um, and cross cross in really like it sounds really simple. Just hitting, aiming for the strikers in the middle from from wide areas. I think that's going to be one of the really important parts, um, especially in a four three three. Um, making sure those those two up top go wide and the midfield support well. Um, I think you know like Lacey can score those outside the box goals and Benini can as well. Um, so we need to be really focusing on a strong sort of five in and around the box to be able to get get the goals in. Um, and, it's, and it happened yesterday. So I think more of the same, really, to continue through the season, obviously, you know, figuring out challenges as they appear. But, yeah, I think just to, to start to continue doing that, especially as there is a, a bunch of new players coming in. So, yeah, it sounds very simple, <laughs> but I hope it is as simple as it sounds. Well, hopefully, um, like you said, it's as simple as it sounds because I'm sure you know how it's not easy. Maybe executing certain instruction because I think it's one. I think it's one thing to have a game plan and another thing for the players executing. And we know there'll be off days. May we pray on our off days. We can still have players who can make something out of nothing, like Lacey, like Banini. So we are hoping on that. And um, actually, I think um. Like I mentioned before, we'll face a lot of teams who are going to like concede possession. That means they're going to allow us to have much of the ball. And now, like you said, making use of that ball and also trying to contain them will actually be great because we will need to create a lot of chances like we have been doing in the past. And having someone who can actually finish those chances, like I mentioned, will be fantastic. So um, we have talked about... Um, Atleti struggles, some of the things that um, Atleti can maybe do to snipe them out. 
to clear them out and maybe strengthen the team and we are happy with the squad we have um this season so um tom just maybe to put you on the fence here um, <laughs> what's your position for the season in quality for the league for the copa de la arena and also for the super cup are we, are we in the super cup um i don't know the I, I never know how they figure out the uh the teams that go into the super cup but um well um if the format for the Super Cup is basically, I think, you have a semi-finals and finals, and you have um, the the two finalists of the Copa de la Arena, and then you have the top two in the league. So if maybe the oh, top okay. two are the two finalists, then the third and the fourth place, and then can go into it. There we go. So yeah, so I'd like to think that we can get into the final of the Copa de la Arena and the Super Copa for the two rounds. I'm pretty sure we can get into the finals, and I'm pretty sure that depending on our opponent, um. You know, if it's Barcelona and, and they're on fire, then it's not going to be as easy. But I think we can actually still score some goals against them. They they didn't they looked vulnerable yesterday, but I but like Madrid CFF couldn't really, you know, punish them in the way they did last season somehow. So I think that I'd like to think they will be finalists in both of those competitions. And I think we can I think we can achieve second place in the league. I think that we can beat Real Madrid. I think that we can beat Levante. I think we can beat all of the teams outside of Barcelona. I think on our day, if the team gels well and the results and the form stays, I think the team can give them a really good game, maybe even take some points off them at home. But again, they will be the biggest rival and I I think they'll still win the league. But I'd like to think that we can get a lot closer this year and, and a, a good second position for us. Okay, well, a lot of optimism from you, to be honest, because I'm not so optimistic. Finishing second against ahead of <laughs> finishing second ahead of Real Madrid, I take that every day. I take that every day. Being beating them home, are they... well, I think I, I yes, yes, go on. I think Real Madrid, like they they didn't look as strong yesterday, and I think again they've had a lot of turnover. Like you know, Esther's gone to the NWSL, um, and they've got some players like Hayley Rasso is good but she didn't she didn't play for Man City much so they just they were happy to kind of let her go almost because they just didn't use her which is their fault so I think that team is still there's full of it's full of a lot of very good individual players and I think that they if they gel as quick as we have it'll be a problem but if it takes time especially for players coming to a new country and like players like uh, Caroline Moller she just didn't like she hasn't performed as well as she could have over the last few years. She's a great, very good player, but I don't think she even made the Denmark squad for the World Cup. So it's it's that's some of the issues I think that they face, as well as what Atleti faces. You know, for just a, a team in transition, especially moving forwards. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting season, I think, and it's going to be a long season, especially after the World Cup and. The Olympics coming up and things like this. So yeah, yeah I think it's going to be interesting. Oh, like okay, so um, like I think you really said it's going to be an interesting year. Especially, I think you mentioned that most of the players now have a lot of rest because I was shocked when the World Cup finished and Aleti had resisted uh, a couple of weeks after Aleti starts preseason and then I'm seeing in games I'm seeing Lacey, I'm seeing Banini. I'm like oh they have not had a lot of rest, but they have looked sharp in the first game they played, which. It's actually positive and about Real Madrid, well, like you said, dunking on them every I take that every season. Even if we play we are as bad as they come, but we get a result against them. I take that every season. 
And as for Barca, well, I think Manolo Cano's um, game plan last season against Barca was really, really interesting because he's man-for-man high-press orienting and forcing Barcelona into turnovers and also making them go long was actually very good. It's just that, well, execution was a problem because when Atleti actually won the ball back in decisions and we could not punish them. I would really be interested to see how he can tackle Barcelona this season because I really like what he did in the first 25 minutes of that game before Barcelona. It's true Barcelona kind of started going long and trying to use the pace of um, Oshuala, but I think Aleti handled it very well. Just that after the first goal, I think kind of killed the morale. And then the second half mistakes, I think overall the game plan was spot on, but execution not so much. So a lot of positivity from you, which has infected me and... I believe <laughs> we can achieve something meaningful this season, like actually have the consistency we have lacked over the previous season. Because actually last season we started the league very well, but I think after the four, four to five, after the fourth or fifth match day, we kind of started going down here, which wasn't ideal. So hopefully we kind of um, concentrate and then um, have what we need this season. So, um, Tom, um, there are some play. I think um, at least it would be not be fair to talk about uh, Aleti without talking about Aleti. Talk about Aleti Feminino without talking about Aleti Feminino B because they actually achieved promotion to go into a higher year and their first game against, I think, Alaves, they won 1-0. And then you have um, some players there who are actually very, very good because you have somebody, I think, you have Yolanda Sierra who has been there and she's actually a very, very good player and I've seen her a couple of times for the uh, the national team that thing on the 18 side and she's actually good. And talking about uh, so um oh I'm sorry, we almost forgot. What is your opinion on Wifi on Lucia Morel? Because last season she was just fantastic. She's she was basically averaging almost a goal per game. So what's your opinion? We cannot finish this podcast without talking about her. Yeah, the uh, the important part of every household now, Wifi. Um, <laughs> I, I've from what I've seen again, I didn't see a huge amount last year just due to um, volunteering with a women's team over here. So a lot of the matches that were weren't being televised, I couldn't see anyway. Um, normally, I can try and find a way to watch them, but I was out of the house a lot of the time when they were when they were playing. She's been really good, and she obviously came back. I think she was part of the was it the under twenty under eighteen squad that won the the yeah. European Cup. I think for the national yeah. team. So she was part of that. So she, her and um, oh, is it Andrea Medina, Medina yeah. isn't it? That they the pair of them, yeah. So the pair of them, they're obviously very good players. Um, so it's good that we've got them closer to the first team. Um, I I don't know a huge amount about like the the second team, the B team, because again, it's like a lot of things, especially being further away, it's harder to find the information about aside, maybe seeing results on Twitter. So I haven't really seen a huge amount myself about that team. So I don't know a huge amount about some of the younger players coming through, but yeah, the few that I have seen, like we've scored some good, good, important goals for us last year. So long may it continue, especially in a, in a team that needs to keep rotating to be in, three cup competition two cup competitions in the league so it's important that we have we all you know all of our players are ready to go at a moment's notice because one of the biggest issues in women's football are acl injuries and they can happen at any time sadly so you know we need to make sure we've got a very good squad ready to go in case someone does does pick one up 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like you said, um, the B team has actually been doing fantastic. A very, very good job. And um, they won promotion, like I mentioned. They won their opening first game. And there are a lot of, there are lots of players that will feature them in the friendly, I think, against Milan, which we lost. Because we, had, we kind of played the final against Milan. And two days later, we are playing against Milan again. So kind of some rotation. And you kind of you saw a lot of them there. And they were actually decent. And I think despite the, the gap level, you have a lot of players there, which in my opinion can actually do well in the first division should they get loan moves. But... Staying there to kind of help the team achieve more promotion would be great. Um, Tom, uh, to be honest, it's fantastic having you here. And obviously, like you talked about volunteering in your women's team, I've been, you have been giving me not up to date with it. And you guys have actually been doing very good. So just to maybe give a shout out to the team, can you tell us more about like how far you guys have been this season? Uh, so, yeah, so we are, I think we've played six games and we've won all six games so far so two cup games three league games so five games yeah five games i think so far five competitive games so far this this year um in like the last month so yeah we're we're doing well they're called Moneyfields, Moneyfields fc women um it's on twitter somewhere i'm sure um we're tier four so we've got teams like bournemouth um from the like the Premier League men's teams, their club is in our league, their women's team. So we've got, you know, we'll have them and Exeter that are going to be the real, real threats this year. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if we can get promotion to tier three, because yeah, that it the the team is good enough, and the support staff around them are really good as well. Not myself, not included. I'm just someone who can take notes on an iPad. So yeah, it's not nothing to do with me that they're really good. But, very uh, modest. Yes. Very, 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 very modest and but very honest, sadly. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, as I said earlier on, like it's the fastest growing sport in the world and the support that anyone can give to their local women's team is really encouraged. You know, we recommend it. Um because yeah, that's the only way the game will grow more is more people just getting down to their local team. So yeah. I uh I hope people do get involved. Even if two people follow the, the club's Twitter from this, you know, that's always good. But it's because every little helps at the moment. So, but yeah, it keeps me very busy. Well, I think um, when we are going to tack you, we are going to also tack the club and that's Money Fields FC women. And like Tom said, they are actually going for promotion to the, I think the, the, the third tier, right? Yeah, tier three, yeah. Yeah, tier three. So, uh, I think most Aliti fans will be behind you giving as a culturero yourself. We like to support our fellow brothers and we are going to give a shout out because like you said, he is very modest because he said he's just doing the iPad and everything, but I believe he does more. And he kind of contributes to their success, even though he will not admit it, but I believe <laughs> the he does, he goes to contribute to their success because not everyone will do that volunteering and so we are praying for success of Moneyfield FC. Women and we trust um, you guys will take it to the next level. So um, we are at the end of the podcast and talking about um, Aliti Femino B, they kind of lost their second game against the Otibola Karuna. It's not bad. One win and one defeat, one win at home and one defeat away. It's not actually very bad, but well, we believe um, it's actually they are at a level where it's profitable for the first team where players can easily make a jump. So that's great. So Tom has been fantastic talking about women's football. I don't want to say soccer. 
because I know a lot of fans <laughs> going to, you know, you have that separation between soccer and football. So yeah, if I say it's, also, it's it's definitely so, not soccer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's football. So I think I will just go with Fem. <laughs> That's yeah. better. So it's been great talking about food fame with you. So uh, also been fantastic having someone who kind of even does something to kind of promote the women's football in one way or the other. So Tom, looking forward to having you on the next podcast. Hopefully next month. Yeah, anytime I can, we can arrange to do it. Let's do it. Like, and let's hope that the uh, Atleti Femme keep producing the results so we have something positive to talk about. Yep. Hopefully, Sheila keeps banging in more goals. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, dear listeners, if you have listened up to this point, thank you for listening to the podcast. And remember, never stop believing. Nunca, they are the club. See you next time.